Welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked. Uh, I am Stephen, aka Old Head. Here, uh, uh, I guess I'm your master of ceremonies, an MC, as they say. Um, <laughs> and then with me, as always, is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. What's up? How's everybody doing? <laughs> it would have been it would have been great if you had, if you had come in more of more with like a flavor flav vibe because I'm the MC. Yeah, boy. <laughs> That's all every. That's all anyone really wants in life is to have somebody like Flavor Flav backing you up. Like, what? If it wouldn't be great if you're just walking down the street and you just make some comment like, "You know what? I really like that house." And your friend behind you was like, "Yeah." <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine if um, boxing matches had hype men in the ring? Oh, and they're man. just they should. I guess that would be wrestling, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah, so we're not doing Public Enemy today. <laughs> so for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, uh, this is a podcast where we rank uh, rock and or metal albums from uh, specific artists or, like in the case of today, specific years. Today we are going to be tackling... So we've done 1989 and 1991, right? That's all we've done year-wise yep. so far? Yep. And so we're bringing it back. We're winding the clock back to way before Eddie was born and only four years after I was born. I was born in 78. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, tackling 1982. I guess that'd be five years. Either way, I don't know math. We've already figured this out in another episode that I am not the math man. Um, Neither yes, am I. 19- uh, it's just luck in my case, really. <laughs> 1982 is the year. And um, so it's, basically this is our top five favorite albums of 1982. And um, usually for me, so far the two other years we've done ends up yielding a really long list that I have to whittle down to five. This one was a much smaller list for me. I even went and listened to albums that I knew that I didn't really, I wouldn't really put in my top five, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, but it ended up being, yeah, it ended up being a rather short list. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I would ask you where you were in 1982, but you were, you were non-existent. Um, <laughs> in 1982, I was most likely, um, listening to Michael Jackson cause I believe Thriller came out in 1982. It did. And so, um, everybody in the world, no matter what age you were, I'm pretty sure was listening to Michael Jackson <laughs> at about that point. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so let's just jump right into it. And also, I guess it's important to point out, since I said Michael Jackson, I don't think we're, we're not tying ourselves to doing rock and metal albums with these years, because um, these are just our favorites. So who knows what might pop up? So this could get interesting. Mm. So um, if you if you don't have anything else to add right away, uh, we can just jump right into your number five of 82. I did want to say... Um this year specifically was was very hard for me to rank because I, it's one of those years that I'm not as familiar with. Like, you know, I thought of 1991, I can pick out five albums like straight away yeah. that I could just list off. Maybe not like nail down, but say these are definitely albums that would make the list. But 
for this one, I had to really dig deep and remember which albums were from 1982 that I know because it's all. It's. it's uh, I sent you a text actually saying it, something along the lines of the sandwich analogy. And oh it, yeah, <laughs> that's that's when that's when a year is kind of sandwiched between two big years, and like due to it, it's an it, it's within that era, but it doesn't get. I don't know because it, it doesn't have the albums. Well, yeah, it, around that time, all especially major label bands seem to be putting out an album every other year, just yeah. no matter what. And it seemed like 1982 for a lot of bands was the year that they didn't mm. <laughs> put out an album. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. It is it, it is kind of in the middle, um, which I guess is why like it it was it made it kind of a shorter list for me in the end. Yeah, because I've got. I think I've got a total of, of, of 10 albums, five in my list, and um, five honorable mentions. But, cool. Uh, and, and so and, and are, is your list in an order? Did you, did you, are you actually ordering them from, from least to greatest? I, I suppose kind of, yeah. Because I did, and that was part of the chore for me. Yeah. I, to rank them in an order <laughs> from, from my least favorite to my most favorite. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the number five pick was especially hard because I thought... You know, it, it, it's so close between um, uh, uh, quite a few of them. But uh, yeah. Uh, let's let's do it. Number five. Cool. Number five. So this was between Screaming for Vengeance mm-hmm. or Number of the Beast. Well, number five was between those two? Yes. Holy and- shit, folks. Coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, I weighed it up and I thought they're both solid records with, in my opinion, some songs are better than others in the case of both albums. But I had to pick Number of the Beast. Number of the Beast. Wow, number of the Beast by by Iron Maiden, folks, is his number five. So we, we probably have four pretty goddamn awesome albums to go because if you're starting, that's, that's starting strong. That's yeah. blowing your blowing your wad right away, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it, I think the reason I put it at number five is because, yeah, it's number of the beast, but it's not my favorite Iron Maiden album. Yeah. Um. So I had to, I had to think there for a moment. You know, when I think of 1982, that is the album I think of. Mm-hmm. But when I when I think comparatively, do I enjoy it as much? all the way through as I do the records I've placed above it. And, you know, there are a few moments on this album that do make me go, that could have been stronger. They're few and far between, though, which is... Yeah, that's the interesting thing about doing these rankings. It it makes you start to really pick apart albums that probably... We're probably ruining these albums for ourselves because (laughs) albums that we probably would have looked at and said, nope, this thing's perfect. Now we're all like, well, actually... Yeah. (laughs) And, and like, I I definitely think um, Hallowed Be Thy Name has to be one of the strongest album closers of of all time. Because it's so... It's so big and epic and it's got so many individual sections and... It's just so good. And it comes in strong as well with, you know, Invaders. Invaders! That's one of those songs where the uh, certain members of the band consider it a weak song. And I'm like, fuck no, man. That is a, that is a killer opening song. And I, yeah. I love it. I don't, 
I don't sure. understand any. I, I guess maybe if they're compare. I, I guess if you write all the songs, if it's if if it's Steve Harris, then I guess maybe you, you have a different outlook on everything because you've written so many fucking songs, classic yeah. songs that I guess Invaders. Maybe I get. Yeah, I guess like it could be lower down on the list, but man, it's a killer opener. And I, I can't really think besides you know a, a few other tracks on the album what I would have opened it with. Because really, when you look at the track listing, the songs that it's known for are actually on side B, I believe, yeah. largely. Because Run to the Hills and um, Number of the Beast are... It, and and Hallowed. Are late, are, yeah, are all in the later part of the album. That, that, which that is, is when you know you have, a banger, you have a banger of an album on your hands when you're like, yeah, all these other songs can just go in the second half. <laughs> the yeah. fucking second half, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's one of those albums that i consider it i, I kind of have this weird thing as well i know i always bring up food but um say for example beans on toast it's a very british thing but it's one of those meals where i think eh, okay it's good it'll fill me up but uh but then i eat it and i remember this is fucking tasty and that is the same reaction with my ears that I get with this record because I initially think it's not my favorite Maiden album, but I'll stick it on to remind myself why it's good and um, I should reach for it more in that case. But, you know, I, I just... I fucking forget sometimes how good um, early Maiden is because oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, um, kind of the Power Slave era so that's quite mm -hmm. mid mid 80s um i mean that's literally one year after this album or was it 84 no uh, 83 83 was power slave right that was peace of mind oh shit all right i'm sorry Which, i'm gonna go ahead and knock knock off some cool points for me <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the impressive thing I, I find about iron maiden is they're one of those bands that you know early on they were releasing a great album every year you know, because you yeah, got yeah. 80, you had made, uh, Iron Maiden, you know, 81, Killers, 82, this one, 83, Peace of Mind, 84, Power Slave. Are you kidding? Like, that's a consistent string of five albums in a row that can get better and better and better. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the, it is one of the most impressive catalogs in metal because their 80s work is, is phenomenal. Agreed. And uh, yeah, you know, just to just to wrap up on Number of the Beast really is like the, the deeper, deeper cuts, um, for example, uh, Children of the um, Damned. That's the one I, I always I always think Children of the Damned, Children of the Sea, Children of the Grave. There's so many there's so many <laughs> that children. Was, that was that was two Sabbath songs in there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it, there's just so many great songs that I, I feel do get forgotten about sometimes yeah. in the shadow of stuff like the title track, uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name and Run to the Hills. Um, and to, to be honest, I know it's a, I know it's an anthem, but it's Run to the Hills is one of the maiden songs that I could probably do without hearing on the oh, record i'm I'm not i'm the complete opposite of that that is a song <laughs> that forever will be a banger to me i don't care it's just 
there's something about creating a song like that that is so like anthemic and and I don't know. It's 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 like I don't think I don't think Maiden ever did another song quite like that one. Cuz they did yeah. other songs they did other songs that had anthemic qualities uh, but something about that one just how it 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 almost exists on its own force like it's just beyond Iron Maiden the power of of uh, Run to the Hills. It's just yeah. it's just such so well done, so well performed. Bruce sounds amazing on that song. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, we're, we're forgetting this is um, Bruce Dickinson's first album with absolutely. the band yeah. as well. And um, I, something that struck out to me um, was they're not afraid of major keys. Like a lot, a lot of moments on this record are in major. You know the the yeah. invaders da na 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 and um, you know, which generally sounds happy, but the way they play it still feels intense. And um, I think uh, parts of "Run to the Hills," the chorus. Well, yeah, is the major. chorus is yeah, in, yeah, the it's, chorus is a major key. Yeah, that's, and that's um, that's kind of what that's like kind of what brings that song out. That that, that part of the song, it's a very it, it's like an uplifting part of that song. It's it's very much like a. a a cry, a cry of charging forward kind of thing. It it, it feels like anyway. Yeah. But, and yeah. even the title track, I'm thinking that at least the intro, no, I, th- I think most of number of the beast is in major as well, isn't it? Yeah. With, and that's, but that's the mark of their songwriting though, because I think that you, you don't, it doesn't come across that way. Mm. Like they're able to, to switch from a minor to major in certain parts or have a song mostly be in a major key. But I guess when you bring all of the musicians together and the overall tone they create, um, it, it's like it doesn't even matter. It's just, it has a weight yeah. to it. They can bring a weight to a, to a, a major key song that a uh, few other bands can, can do. And I guess that's probably why it ended up leading eventually to like power metal yeah. and stuff like that, which power metal is, lives in the major key. <laughs> And so, um, but, and I guess you could say, could you say power metal started with, with, with run to the hills? Like, is that an early, what would later become that kind of anthemic, big grand metal, um, kind of shit? I would, I would say Maiden had a major, like (laughs) they had a major part in that. Um, I, I know very little about power metal. My power metal kind of begins and ends with Halloween <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I'm all like oh, I don't really know anything past that or, or or haven't heard things that really like tickled my fancy very much fair I, I I would say yeah and especially in the uh lead guitar harmony department that yeah. that is you know Maiden's guitars are pure power metal really because that whole kind of galloping thing you know, it just conjures this images of, of a cavalry just charging yeah, at you. Absolutely. It sounds like galloping horses. Like it's just it's just a masterpiece. Like we're yeah. we're talking we're we're spending all this time talking about one song off of one album, but I mean it's that good, folks. If you know, you know, I guess. <laughs> and that's that's the thing with these episodes as well, is that we're bringing to light incredibly impressive bodies of work that um, you know, have managed to make a top five subjectively to and individually to us but you know these are strong strong records 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much my take on my number five. Awesome. So before we move on, though, as as an American who I don't think I've ever had beans on toast. Really? Um, it, I can't think of it. So it, it's baked. Is it baked beans? Is yeah, that it's what like, you're... yeah, it's just like a, a, a can of, of Heinz beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you simply heat that up and then you just get buttered toast like one or two slices and then just so you, okay you butter the toast okay yeah, oh, oh yeah you butter the toast and then you just pour pour the hot beans on it and then it, it you know obviously you it's kind of a knife and fork kind yeah. of toast so how many but, pieces of toast would you say for the perfect recipe of this uh, I would say I would say a solid two slices of toast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here you go, folks. If you're thinking of, of making something new for your family, <laughs> let's do. <laughs> Especially if you're in America, because that's not a thing here. Like that, that yeah. the idea of that. I go, okay. I've had a lot of things on toast, but I don't think I've ever poured a can of baked beans on some toast. But now <laughs> I'm gonna go try it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure for breakfast one of these days. I'm gonna try that out, and I will get back to you and let you know. Sausage goes well in it too. Um, that shit that sounds, yeah. sausage sounds good right now yeah you, you uh, <laughs> chop, chop up a couple sausages and just chuck it in the beans on toast it's it's a damn fine very very satisfying meal but yeah awesome see we can we can tackle other subjects on these podcasts folks. We, <laughs> we're not just tied to this to to the rock and metal but um if, so just to keep things moving i'm going to move on to my number five and it kind of like yours mine is one that when i Ended up putting together the actual order. The fact that this one ended up here just made me go, "What the fuck, man?" If you had <laughs> told me this number would be this number, this uh, this album would be number five in a list of from 1982, I would have been like, "No, you probably you, you need to go listen to that again because I think you're something's <laughs> wrong." But the five that I've put together, I went and listened to them all right next to each other one day while I was working. They were all playing. And this was the one that, out of the five, has the most moments where I kind of disconnect from the album a little bit. And uh, my number five is the absolute classic album, Signals by Rush. That comes in at number five. And that says a lot, because this is a really strong album. I I think... If you're a Rush fan, this is an album that gets a lot of love. If you're not a Rush fan, it's easy to look at this album as, oh, this is when they started doing keyboard shit, and and they were never good after that. But that's not true. They they never made a bad album. But it is true that Signals, because with, with Permanent Waves and especially Moving Pictures, you started to hear a lot more keys on it. But um, with Signals, they're very prominent. Yeah. And... Even from the beginning, like the first song that plays is Subdivisions, which is one of my favorite Rush songs. And it just starts with keyboards and keyboards mm. are prominent through the whole song. Um, and then but the, the, the first half of the album, I think, is pretty, pretty solid because going from Subdivisions, which is very moody and heavy on keyboards and then busting into the analog kid, which is bringing back the drum, the, the, the guitar riffs. And it's like, like it's a real fast riff that keeps happening in it. And it's a great song. Um, so really like, this is just one of those things where it's an album that's, it's really good. It's produced really well. It's got all these great songs. Chem- Chemistry is amazing. New world man. Um, but I feel, find a couple of the tracks, especially on the, the second half of the album, 
it's not that they're bad songs. It's just that they kind of lose a little bit of the momentum. And yeah, considering that I am, I'm a Rush fan that I like the urgency and technicality of the heavier things that they do. That's, I, I, I know it's, it's very common for people to say that, Oh, I would prefer 2112 over, uh, 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 whatever it's fucking uh, uh, hold your fire, which hold your fire is a very poppy album from the eighties, yeah. and then twenty one twelve, obviously the classic where they where they first broke through. So, um, but it's true. Like I find myself if I if I'm honest with who I am as a Rush fan, I go back to the mathy, energetic stuff more than I'll go to their kind of introspective, very emotional stuff, which they did both very very well. And um, in this particular case, it's just one of those albums where I'm like, there's no denying that this is fucking great. But at the end of the day, it was uh, uh, my feeling, my gut feeling was that the other four I have on my list are ones that I will go to quicker than this album. If I'm going for a Rush album, it will be a different one and not this one. Um, So, yeah, that's that's I, I don't got a whole lot to say about it. It's. I feel like, you know, we could talk about Rush for a long time uh, and I'd be happy with that. Um, but um, since it's my number five, I figured I'd just, you know, get it in and out. But, cool. Um, but yeah, um, Signals is, a, is, is fucking classic. It's just uh, less, less of an important album to me than the other four. I need to dive deeper into Rush because there's some albums that I know and then loads that I've never heard. And the ones I've heard are um twenty one twelve uh classic uh and I think I've heard permanent waves a, a few times and moving, moving pictures pi- obviously moving yeah. pictures yeah so yeah um so you haven't even heard so those are amazing albums yeah but just a side note um go go listen to um hemispheres or uh, uh, what's the what's the fucking why do I always forget names? I'm really bad with names. <laughs> um, now I'm all like now I'm all it doesn't matter. I'll I'll, I'll tell you later. But um, <laughs> Hemispheres is okay. an amazing album. Yeah. But the I, with with Rush, I I the way that I got really into them was hearing individual tracks from the albums and not not hearing because I because my I got introduced to Rush when I was a kid through a greatest hits compilation. And so yeah. I would hear a song, like in this case, like subdivisions, and be like, oh, this is fucking great. But it's like it's on its own. It it brought me to that album. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could say that they, sure they did make albums like 2112 where it's an album experience, but I do think a lot of their albums, it's really easy to pick out the standout tracks and just find those and then see if they attract you to the album, and then you can hear the whole thing as as a whole. But they've literally never done a bad album. They're one of the few bands that I can think of that have been around since since the 70s that continued to put out music into this millennium and continued to put out really good music. Yeah. And so it's it hurts putting one of their albums not at number one, <laughs> but that's just, that's just the way it works. So, uh, but it made, it made the list that that's it did, the, it did make the list for sure. There's no way it would have been left off. Yeah. But, I, rem- uh, I remember yeah. your initial reaction when we were, when we were talking about doing 1982 and, uh, you were like, 
I don't think I know any any albums from '82, and then I was like, um, "Signals Rush," and you were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's we can move on into your number four, sir. Cool. So for my number four, I've gone for Kiss, Creatures of the Night, killer album. I fucking love this album, you know, and it's and it's it's a fun timestamp of where Kiss were at at the time. And, you know, it's it's the final album of that first makeup era. After this, they did Lick It, Lick it Up and ditched the makeup and everybody wanted it back. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't, that didn't happen for a long time. But, you know, this is just a really great, solid heavy metal record. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not trying to be glam. It's not. It's not even trying to sound like their seventies work. They just made a ballsy heavy metal album, which is what gives this album such strength. You know, the title track, "Keep Me Coming," "Danger," "I Love It Loud," "I Love It Loud" as a tune, um, and "War Machine," fucking "War Machine" kicks ass. Yeah, and like, there's there's a lot of really strong Gene Simmons vocal songs on here. Yeah. I just love his like real yeah! growl on it, you know. He's yeah. really laying into it, but um it, it it's it's much meatier than um the rest of their 80s albums because after this they got poppier and poppier and poppier until they they were actually working with Michael Bolton on like the last album, I think Hot in the Shade. And then yeah, yeah, Michael Bolton wrote forever. Forever, I think. that's yeah. the one. Yeah, and then obviously it got to ninety two, and they were like, "Shit, well, I guess we better get heavy again because you know this this poodle spandex thing isn't working out anymore." But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's funny to me because um, it's almost like uh, creatures of the night and. Um, revenge 10 years later kind of bookend that era because they started on a really heavy album and ended that era with a really heavy album and you've got all these kind of poppy hair metal albums in between but i i, um, I think that lick it up is still pretty heavy of an yeah, album it has, to it has me. its moments yeah but sure. I guess because "Lick It Up" is the is the lead track off of it, and it lick was it fu- up. yeah, and they did <laughs> uh, they did adopt. I guess they already had like a glammy thing going, but once you take off the makeup, it's all of a sudden you're just like every other band doing the glammy thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's good. This is a fucking great album. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, it's it's a real meaty, straight ahead not fucking around um 80s heavy metal album you know it's 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 got the the production is there but it's not to the point of like crazy nights production where it's like covered in keyboards and stuff no. it's just it's, it just it's a sounds big, big production the drums sound huge on this oh, album which big, is mr huge. eric carr on drums on this one yeah i think this is his second album with kiss or did eric carr play on elder uh, i don't remember but um i, I can't he, remember yeah yeah but yeah, eric Carr's on this one also it's, it's interesting to point out that um the original cover of the album has ace freely on it but ace yes. freely did not play on this album in fact they didn't even really have a legitimate lead guitar player they had you know vinnie vincent on a few tracks 
but then they had other people playing solos and I guess Paul pretty much handled the majority of the guitar playing on this album but whatever it was whatever combo of things they they did for this album um I'm going to go I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say it's my number 4 also. <laughs> oh wow. No way. <laughs> yeah, this is also my number 4. So we can just continue Sweet. talking about this album cuz it's um it's killer. It's one of those albums that you there's no skippable track on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and there's every everyone that's is on the at the top of their game performance-wise on this. Probably one of my favorite songs vocally from uh from Paul Stanley is I still love you. Like yeah. his he sounds it sounds great and it's I don't know. There's there's every song on here is a banger and you can only say that about a handful of Kiss albums. Like they did a lot of albums that I love, but even on those albums I could point out, well why did you why did you include like like Love Gun is easily one of my favorite Kiss albums, but it ends with "Then She Kissed Me," and I'm just like, get, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> n- n- nobody wanted to hear a cover of that song, especially changing it from he to she. Yeah. And it, it, it's very very cute, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but this one doesn't have any of that. It is a lean, mean fighting machine of an album. It's. Uh, I mean, ending with War Machine. I mean, Creatures of the Night is such a good... Creatures of the Night! The be- the beginning of an album. It's a great opener. Yeah. And, God, yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of great uh, Gene Simmons on here. Mm. Now, th- this now the, the this is... I don't know if it started with this album or if it started prior to this, but this they they're outside songwriters co-writing with them. Yeah. And this is this is a thing that would continue through the 80s and I've gone on record before saying that I don't care about that. Yeah. It's just it's just an interesting fact because most of the time when outside writers are brought in they're not they didn't they don't write an entire song and then the band just takes it although that has happened. But most of the time it's just them coming in helping them flesh out ideas or give them pointers and and stuff like that. So I feel like for the most part those people were brought in. Like I'm looking here and at rock and roll hell was co-written by Brian Adams. Wow. <laughs> and, um, that does not sound like a Brian Adams song. No, no disrespect to Brian Adams. Cause I, I will, I will bang some of his tunes if they come oh, on, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll do a run to you or summer of 69 or something like that. That's, that's, that's fine. I heard but, a mashup um, of, um, run to you and enter Sandman and it oh. works. <laughs> shockingly well (laughs) like it shouldn't be that good yeah uh but yeah so creatures of the night what what else do you you have anything else to say about this because i'm just i sort of took over once i announced it was also my number four but um i i was just so struck by it when i first heard it because it was it was very much a it was one of those albums where when i put when i put it on i was like i had to do a double take and i was like this fucking kiss like it, it not that you know Kiss aren't great in their seventies work and stuff, but it, it's such a step up um, heaviness wise because obviously they had the riffs and stuff, and they had their real moments like um, God of Thunder. But it's like they took the song God of Thunder from Destroyer and made a, <laughs> yeah. and made a whole album around that with an even yeah. bigger production. Yeah, I almost feel like this was a. 
Um, it, it's easy to tear this album down because it's the one that came the year after music from the elder. And that oh, was yeah. universally loathed. And, and honestly, even though I enjoy it, I can't deny that it's a pretty shitty album, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's almost, fe- fe- it feels like they, it's kind of like a telling all their fans, we're, we're sorry. <laughs> we're gonna we're it's an really gonna, record. Yeah, we're really gonna gonna put together all of our best shit and and bring our A game and make an album for the people that want that big kiss thing again. Um and they 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 outdid themselves, I feel. Like I don't think I don't think that there is a more even revenge, I don't think, is as tight of an album as this is, track wise. Yeah. Like it's it's just nothing but great shit. And that's why it makes it into our top five. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so on, on on that note, you got anything else to say about Creatures of the Night? Not really. It's uh, it it's if, if 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 some of you are listening and you're not Kiss fans, just go listen to this album because I think you might find things about it that you enjoy. But um, yeah. Uh, but it's one of the Kiss is one of those bands that I I'm not going to argue with people if somebody just says Kiss is a shitty manufactured band yeah. that wrote nothing but pop music and I'm like well first off you're an idiot yeah. second off I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore <laughs> <laughs> because it's like once people make their minds up about something like this you could present them with the facts and they don't care so yep. <laughs> so you're either a Kiss fan or you can fuck off. <laughs> cool um so my number three is a bit of a deep cut actually um i've gone for yt's black tiger okay this is one that i really don't know at all i may know songs from it but as an album i don't think i know it yeah i I thought this was a this was going to be a deep deep cut um yeah has one of the coolest guitar intros to an album ever. Um, but it's it's like just this good time rock and roll American 80s metal. And up until looking for albums for this list, I'd never sat down and listened to this album. And I'm actually ashamed that I hadn't given this a listen long before because exactly it's exactly what I come to 80s metal for. It's... Yeah. It's exactly what you would hear, like in a like party scene in an eighties movie, because it just has such a classic eighties party vibe. And the songs like "Open Fire," um, "Don't Want to Lose," "Hell or High Water," that you know the list goes on. There's so many great songs on here, and I, and I, I just wanted to give this one um, some real recognition because. I haven't had like too much time to get acquainted with it, but I've been really impressed each time I've listened to it. And, I, I um, don't think I know. I really know Y and T at all. I, now I feel like I need to go dig into them because I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, it's produced by Max Norman. He produced a lot of albums that I like yeah. in the eighties. And um, they're and definitely a good from time. What you're saying feel. it sounds yeah, it sounds it sounds like a like a fun album. So I'll have to definitely have to check it out for sure. And um, even down to even down to the artwork that that black tiger robot yeah. looking thing is classic to this era and you know i know people can turn around and say oh the reason we don't do stuff like that anymore is because it's dated and i think well yeah it's dated to a time cuz everything's dated to a time 
you know you you got to come up with something real abstract to be to be fucking totally timeless yeah well it's um, like we we talked about this before and i made the analogy of somebody saying you know nobody says citizen kane is a shitty movie because it's dated to that time period it's just yep. like you know it, I, I don't i feel like especially like rock and roll doesn't get the respect it deserves and so instead of instead of giving it that viewpoint that people give quote unquote films um, they just look at it as like, oh, this is a stupid thing that happened in this year and it sounds dated. I'm like, well, no, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm glad we're here doing things like this <laughs> because, yeah. um, yeah, that, that attitude is, is, is fucking stupid. And this, but this just looks like an album that I would enjoy, but just going and looking at like their other albums, I'm just looking at the names of their albums and I'm like, I don't know any of these. Where, how did I, how did I fall off of the of the Y and T train so early and not and never even oh they're called yesterday and today that's what Y and T stands for yeah yeah that was I think they they ditched the uh, yesterday and today like whole thing and just started calling themselves Y and T after their first like few albums I'm not like I'm not one hundred percent sure because I think they did some seventies albums yeah and then and then in the eighties they they jumped to just being called Y and T. And yeah, it looks like Earthshaker was the first one where they were called Y&T. Yeah. Um, but wow, okay, I, this is a band I need to dive into because they seem like something I might enjoy. Yeah, it's just good, real cranked up, um, good time, 80s American rock and roll and metal. It, it, yeah. Is it is a... Too too right, man. Too right. Like when I heard this, I was thinking, "Shit, where has this been?" And I lo- <laughs> I love when an album makes me feel like that because that's it. It's a magical feeling because you're like, this gemstone has been just sitting here for me to find, and now I've found it. And yeah, yeah. I I, I think I I think I have a a theory on why I don't know this band because for some reason my brain has a weird way of easily dismissing groups with initials as their name. Really? So, yeah. So, like, Y&T, uh, there's another one that's real. A UFO. I don't really know UFO because you just see these things and I go, okay, well, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, <laughs> and then there's, like, what was that one? I mean, MSG, the the Macaulay Shanker group or yep. whatever. Like, they're all bands that I'm, I see the letters and I go, all right, I'll I'll listen to this some other time. I don't know why I don't know why it doesn't <laughs> appeal to me. It just um I can't think of like ACDC. It's the only like like abbreviation not abbreviation, but initial band that I think that I'm into. I can't think of another one. Yeah, it that that's you know, I I I I do oh, see D- that. DRI, DRI is great, but that's thrash. Yep. That does. That's a total. That's a totally different world. You can have <laughs> any name and be some kind of thrash band, and I've probably heard of you. Oh, and uh, quick, quick thing we should probably mention: um, the guy from Power Trip, rest in oh, peace. Yes, yes, Big- Riley Gale. Um, uh, some some of you listening to this may know um, the band Power Trip. Some of you may not. There's a poster of it behind you. That's, 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 that's what a, got it's me a, thinking. It's a flag. It's, yeah, a, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a huge power trip flag in my room. Um, they 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 were a band. That we'll do we'll do a quick side note here. They they were a band um, that was really close to my heart because they were also very close to my home because they were yeah. from Dallas, Texas, 
And to me, there, there, there aren't a lot of modern, and I know their sound wasn't modern, but I mean like recent metal bands. There aren't a lot of recent metal bands that find their way into my, into my canon of listening, like mm-hmm. so solidly, like, like, like they became a band that I just totally loved everything they did. And the fact that, especially around now, they're the best thing happening in Texas when it comes to metal. I can't think of another band from Texas that's putting out anything worth a damn or even on the, the same level as, as what Power Trip did. Power Trip was a thrash metal band, by the way, if you don't know. Yeah. But um, the singer Riley Gale uh, unexpectedly passed away um, t- uh, Thursday, I think Thursday morning. Yeah. Or, t- or was it Tuesday? Fuck, I don't remember. Have they disbanded? Have, have no, they? They, oh, they, they announced that they disbanded? Oh, wow. Did they? Oh, oh, oh I don't know. So you, you, said, you said they were a, th- oh, they were a band. I, I was just worried. Oh, I don't think uh, yeah. that... I can't see them continuing without Riley. Yeah. Like, he was the mouthpiece of that band. Like, he was the guy that... Like, you... you like, you... Unfortunately, like, I, I know some people don't like it, but sometimes you connect a band with their subject matter, and, and in this case, their politics, and that was that was really driven by Riley. Yeah. And, um... But yeah, he died unexpectedly. And the weird thing about it is that like I, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. And he literally tweeted like ten hours before he died or something like that. Shit. Saying as saying something about like Marvel Alliance, like the video game or something. Yeah. And it was just one of those tweets where he's tweeting about something. And I'm like, oh, I don't play video games, so I don't know what this is, Riley. I'll talk to you later. And then and then he's gone. Yeah. And so and there hasn't been any official um um word as to how he died. But it's pretty shocking. He was 34, I think. Yeah. So um, pretty fucking young. So, yeah. No age. Know. No age to, to go out. Um, Agreed. Like, I, I will say it's strange, actually, how I, how I found out about it. Um, uh, actually, there's, there's a show. Uh, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's uh, Joe Perra Talks With You. It is the most relaxing TV show ever put out. It <laughs> it it has its it has its jokey moments, but you know, at its heart, it's just this this really nice, chill guy. And and he it's hard to explain. Go go, go check it out. But Joe Perra talks with you. Well, anyway, I followed Joe Perra on Twitter, and I just caught it by chance. And he said um, Riley Gale of Power Trip was one of the nicest men I've ever met, and I was like. This wholesome guy, this really, you know, who you wouldn't think would be into this kind of music, all of a sudden he drops this news. But yeah, it sucks, you know, Riley Gale passing away. I was just, I was just as equally surprised to find out he liked thrash to, to, to put a, to put a maybe positive on on such a terrible thing yeah yeah. over over here in the states um a uh, a guy that's an anchor on fox news did they did a piece on riley because riley had done like a phone interview with this guy from fox and apparently they became kind of buddies online even though if you know anything about fox news fox news is very right wing and riley is absolutely the opposite or was the opposite unfortunately um and and but the fact that like he was that kind of person where he reached across to the other side there and made a friend so much so that 
in the middle of Fox News, they're giving a, a like a, a, a special send off to a guy in a thrash metal band who was very left leaning. And so um, th- that says a lot about him as a person. Yeah. And and but a lot of people, because of his politics, you know, didn't like him <laughs> yeah. because he was very outspoken. He didn't take any bullshit and he called it like like he saw it. And um, yeah. unfor- there should be more like Riley, but um, maybe there will be. Maybe in his, maybe in his uh, his passing, other people will discover him, and maybe he'll be a, um, a I don't know, a hero or a, uh, or at least a, uh, I don't know, um, a template for the kind of person you could be. You know, while yeah. still while still standing up for something. You know, for sure. So yeah, and so y- go ahead. So I was just going to say it really sucks too because I was literally just getting into Power Trip as well. I, I've discovered their music very recently, and the news of his passing is is just it just sucks. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 pull the pull the positive vibes vibes back in back yeah. in now. So for, yeah, so for those yeah, so obviously we're we're you can tell the time period we're doing this podcast. If for some reason if this is a thing where years and years down the line people are still listening to this. Um, this was in 2020, the year when all sorts of really horrible shit happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see if things turn around. 2020 in no- could ease in November. Hint, hint. Th- this this year could easily be the track list for a metal album. Like just all of the horrible travesties that have happened during this year. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, there's a song for every month. You know. <laughs> Jeez. With uh, yeah, July so, being the interlude, because not much happened during that. <laughs> yeah, so we could. Uh, so we, let, let's hop back in. That was a that little a little uh, little moment there for Riley Gale. But let's 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 not forget why we're here. Um, no problem. And for for our top five of 1982, which I guess we're on your number three now, right? Oh wait, so you did your number three. I'm all uh, like, is it time I for did. your number three? <laughs> that was your number three. <laughs> So cool. it, it, this this is an interesting segue though because um, while that isn't my number three, my number three also comes from an American rock and roll band that started in the seventies. Um, my number three album is uh, "Rock in a Hard Place" by Aerosmith. Hey, which which if you know those of you who know Aerosmith, you're probably going what when when i'm saying that because the the <laughs> consensus or as i like to say the group think mentality out there is that this is a bad album which is fucking ridiculous <laughs> just like rush aerosmith has never put out a bad album um and um this is i guess the reason why rock in a hard place is considered a lesser album is because not only do you not have any joe perry because Joe Perry quit the band and he was not the guitar player on this album. He, that was Jimmy Crespo. Um, but even, even, um, Brad Whitford, the other guitar player from Aerosmith, he only plays on one track. He quit the fucking band too. So at this point you had Steven Tyler, Tom Hamilton and Joey Kramer, the OGs from Aerosmith holding it down. And just that alone, the fact that they put out this rockin' of an album, it is, First of all, it's really well produced. Who produced yeah. this one? This is, Jack Douglas did this one. Um, it it sounds so good, and it, like like I like I, I realized that that 
that Jimmy Crespo is not as good of a guitar player as Joe Perry. That's obvious. A, 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 you know, about a billion people are not as good of a guitar player <laughs> as Joe <laughs> Perry. But um, he does a really great job. He sounds good. There's a lot of great riffs on here. Steven Tyler is just bringing... Steven Tyler has never phoned in a performance in his life. Mm. He is one of my favorite vocalists, and he sounds great here. There's sure there's there's a lot of the same bluesy rock elements that everyone already expected from Aerosmith but in 1982 that's kind of cool that they just went look we're we're Aerosmith we we could make a different album but then we'd be a different band and i i absolutely feel that that's what they did they just basically stuck to their guns and made the the best thing that they could make considering the circumstances. Cause I, at this point, not only was the band falling apart or had fallen apart, but you know, everyone's still dealing with drug issues. Yeah. And, and, and also the, the realities of being a young person who becomes a star. So it's like all of these things where, you know, these, these guys, I, I mean, I, I would have hate to have been their manager <laughs> having, <laughs> having to put up with their bullshit um, but this is an album that every time I put it on, not, not, it's, it is, I guess it, it is like you would say a, a, a beans on toast kind of thing where <laughs> in their discography, I look at it and go, eh, yeah, that that's rock in a hard place. It's, it's pretty good, but you put it on and I'm like, this fucking rules. If it, it was singled out on its own, like if, if we ever get to an Aerosmith, um, uh, ranking, this won't be high up on the list probably. Yeah. But on its own merit, it's really good. It's really energetic, and I never get bored. Every single song has some sort of thing that sticks out as a really cool part. And um, I, I also have to, you know, full disclosure, Aerosmith is one of my favorite bands, and in my opinion, the greatest American rock and roll band. And anything they put out, I'm going to enjoy. So I'm a little bit biased when it comes to that. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> But I do enjoy this album a lot, and that's why it's my number three. Cool. I think it's cool. It's, the coolest thing about this is that, you know, we're not setting anything in stone, that the whole point of this show is is subjectivity. And yeah. just just being able to observe different opinions and stuff. So if, if anyone has any rebuttals to any of our picks, feel feel free to leave them in the comments below. I yeah. I actively read the comments of cranked and ranked episodes, so uh, yeah, the uh, the the thing that um, I was I was explaining to my older brother a little bit about what the podcast is and the way that I put it to him I think makes perfect sense. Where I was I was basically saying that it's a it's a podcast where we rank a band's discography from what we think is the least you know their their worst to their best. But the important part of the podcast is the conversation about the albums. The ranking is almost secondary. Yeah. Like it's, we're ranking them, but, but the point of ranking them is to really talk about what makes each album what it is and makes the band what they are. So like, that's more important. The ranking is like, the ranking is like the thing that we need. It's the catalyst to move us into discussing these albums. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the initial spark that lights the fire of the conversation. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, we, we're, we're on to number two, sir. All cool. you. Okay, so 
my top three, especially, um, I suppose you could say, uh, you know what? I'm not going to give anything away. I'm just going to say my top three are unconventional for a metal fan to be picking. So I just, I just, I just figured something out. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't. So screaming for vengeance was left off your list. I, I did have to leave it off because for me it was between that number five spot was between gotcha. was between Iron Maiden or I, Screaming for Vengeance. I and, for sure thought Screaming would come in at four, and then it didn't, and I'm like, oh shit, okay. So now I'm really <laughs> I'm even more fascinated to find out what your number two and one are. Yeah, because like when I started really thinking about it, I was thinking metal albums from 82 but then i looked up hmm what if i type in rock albums from 82 and that opened a whole can of worms at that point because there were so many more to choose from (laughs) but um yeah i'll i have relegated screaming for vengeance to the honorable mentions though of course so um yeah so i have got for number two asia's self-titled 1982 debut okay so all right refresh my memory what's the hit off of that album uh uh heat of the moment oh okay that's a that's a fucking good song yeah yeah i i I got thinking that too when i saw the album cover i was like oh shit um (laughs) like that's the thing it's it's prog meets 80s pop rock it's kind of like it's kind of like the 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 middle ground between yes and journey and it hits a nice balance in between interesting it, the, the, these days i believe especially the song heat of the moment would be referred to as dad rock yeah <laughs> i'm a i'm a big dad rock fan i i i love i love anything considered dad rock um there are some great dad rock out there and i don't even oh, take that as a sure. derogatory term because i am a dad and so people are like dad rock i'm like fuck yeah it's dad rock what what Back you try ho- raising a kid and rocking <laughs> at the same time <laughs> i was actually referred to in uh, high school as dad rock will uh <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> My my actual name outside of Eddie Sparks is is uh, Will. By the way, if anybody if anybody's confused, but uh, yeah, I was called Dad Rock Will because all of the bands I liked came at least thirty to forty, maybe twenty years before everybody else's favorite bands in high school. But yeah, and, and by um, the way, my real name is Cornelius. This is really. new to me. <laughs> it's, it's <not laughs> I was just thinking, like, oh, maybe they think my name's not Steven. No, it is. That's my name. <laughs> we got curveballs cu- coming down the pipeline, people. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I got really got thinking, and songs like "Heat of the Moment," obviously, and then you get a track like "Only Time Will Tell," um, "Soul Survivor," "Wildest Dreams." There's some really good stuff on here, and if you're a prog fan, it's got stuff there to satisfy you. But if you're also just into straight up eighties pop rock this is also a very accessible album and now, now if, if i remember right is asia kind of a super group i think so i i think yeah because they've got uh i think Let some me... of the members were in yes i can't remember oh, that would that would make sense yeah um i mean they even had the same same dude do the artwork um roger dean which yeah. is badass always loved his um album art and 
it's just such a it's it's a really strong um album yeah Love. yes and king crimson and emerson lake and palmer apparently all involved somehow in this band so yeah it is a super group and it, it it's it's funny because it it is it is proggy but it's it's also quite straightforward I mean, it's it's got its little proggy like kind of stuff in there every now and again. Yeah. But with regards to song structures and stuff, it's a very easy album to get into. And they, uh, they have a lot of albums. Asia, I, I'm, I did not even know. Yeah, I, 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 uh, Asia. Asia seems to me like a band like Boston that put out like three or four records and then fucked off or whatever. Yeah, but um. But wow, they've got, it looks there, like 15, 10, 10 to 12 albums, maybe. There's some that's, really, really good stuff in their discography, actually. I, I, uh, I did a bit of a deep dive. Yeah, um, I think I listened to, I think it's called Gravitas, which is uh, one it's of the, the most more, recent, seems. Yeah, it's the most recent. And the guitar tone on it reminded me of late 80s Europe, and I was completely sold on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that kind of real buttery smooth legato tone for yeah. that kind of shred lead but um it's just so it, going back to this um 82 self-titled asia album it's a really good album and i i can stick it on and just be in a good mood and it, yeah and that's something i've gotten from these albums is a variety of moods that I that they put me in or I have to be in to fully enjoy them. But you know, Number of the Beast gets me gets me hyped up. Um Creatures of the Night is like, fuck yeah, let's go drink. Um <laughs> YNT's Black Tiger, I'm like, hell yeah. I, I just again would just want to have a good time. And then Asia is like, I want to rock, but I want to chill and rock at the same time. And I think that's where the whole dad rock thing comes into it because it's it's an yeah. album that you put on it, it you're not moshing to it, but it's, it's like it's, it's like I I want to I want to rock, but right now I'm working on my taxes. Yeah. So can you just can you yeah. can you keep it a little bit soft yeah. back there? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's got some got some killer shit on it, dude. And uh, yeah, that is my number two pick, Asia by Asia. <laughs> awesome, and and um, Asia, which I just I didn't know they were a UK band, but they are um, apparently. Yeah. Um I guess members members are British, but um that that being said, I'm that's how I'm connecting my number 2 and your number 2 because my number 2 is from the UK. And this is one this is the al- this is the only album on my list where I think anyone will be surprised. This is the only one. And this is an album that I would give credit to being the album that led me toward heavier music. Because I wow. first heard, I first heard it when I was in in the th- uh, the third grade, which I believe that would make me around nine, eight or nine years old. I believe it was my birth the my birthday turning nine. I got this album from a friend of mine who bought it for me, and it pretty much changed my life because I realized that there was more aggressive music out there. My my number two of 1982 is the album Troops of Tomorrow by The Exploited. Wow. Which is UK punk band, um, classic. It 
it is an album that sounds just as good today as it did in in 82 or when I first heard it in around 87 or whatever. And um it's just fucking good. It never lets up. It's probably like if if you wanted to like give somebody a great example of what was going on with the UK punk scene when the punks started to get a little bit better at playing their instruments and making yeah. songs, but they were still retaining that UK edge. Like it wasn't totally going thrash. Like some, some bands did that. This isn't a thrash album by any stretch of the imagination. This is a, a punk album with punk riffs that nowadays you hear these riffs and you go, man, somebody's done that riff like 50 times. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of those on here, but troops of tomorrow is nothing but killer songs and now it's an album that a lot of co- you you've heard a lot of covers from this album. Yeah. Be- because first of all on the Judgment Night soundtrack from the 90s, Slayer and Ice-T cover uh, uh, they do a medley where they do Disorder, UK82 and War, which are three songs off of this. And yeah. then just this very year, Mr. Bungle released a cover of the song USA from this album. So clearly it's not just me. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's an album that, that resonated with a lot of people. And it's just one of those things where it, it, it aged so well in my heart and in my eardrums. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, never, it's never, it never does anything but excite me every time I put it on. And um, I'm not into a lot of that era of punk. Like I'm, I, I like random things. Like I, that's not my, that's not my cup of tea as, as you're, as you probably are all learning with this episode, my, my expertise is pretty focused to a particular time period of rock and metal, probably starting around 86 and, and winding down in the mid nineties. But, um, this is one of those things that I first heard it and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I didn't know you could do music like this. Yeah. And it ended up leading me to getting into later on down the line, um, you know, easing my way in with like, I guess probably the year after this, I got appetite for destruction. And then a couple years later I got into anthrax and it just sort of led, led me down the path of, of aggressive music. And yeah. I absolutely adore this album. And it's really the only exploited album that I like. So that, that says something, I guess, for it, because the, their other ones are fine, but um, some better than others. But this is the only one that sticks out as like, this is, a, uh, this is when they nailed it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I know a few bands that like, you know, I like their other albums, but if I'm in the mood for that band, I'll stick to one mainstay album. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's just personal preference at the end of the day. You know, you, yeah. you, 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 people like things, people like things more than others. It's just, it's just how it works. But, um, yeah, I'll definitely have to check out, check that album out because I, I've, I've not really done too much of a deep dive into punk. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my knowledge doesn't extend far beyond, uh, the Misfits, the Ramones, and uh, the Sex Pistols. The, those yeah. are kind. Those are kind of the three that I know. I know there's, you know, better stuff, you know. But for, for me, those are the three that I know 
relatively well. To to yeah. be fair, this I mean this is this is on the subject but off the subject. I don't think there's a better punk album than Nevermind the Bollocks. I think that that's it's almost like the punk the punk scene was created and perfected and then it shouldn't have it <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was never done that well again. Yeah. Um and and there there's other really great albums but if we ever do 1977, you will hear me gush <laughs> over <laughs> over Nevermind the Bollocks or Bollocks Bullocks, bollocks. I don't. It's a word that is a word that I wish I sounded cooler saying because if you don't have a British accent, you sound like an idiot saying that word. We say so. bollocks. Well, bollocks. I, I say bollocks. Yeah. It, then, there's a, but, there's but a bollocks real is, to it. Yeah, yeah. Bollocks is one of those words. Like, I don't know if it was Eddie Izzard or somebody that talked about different kinds of bollocks could mean good or bad. Because if you say <laughs> it's the dog's bollocks, that means it's great. <laughs> But yeah. if you just say bollocks to that, it's like, fuck off. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like, that's such a confusing word, but I guess it's something, something great about a word that can be used to mean good things or bad things. Yeah. It, or it's, body it's parts. A, it, <laughs> it's a very, uh, it's a very British thing. And, uh, something I saw the other day on, on this, on the subject of, um, how British people, um, pronounce things. <laughs> it says, it was it was captioned, um, and it was just a, a picture of a water bottle, and um, someone had said British people be like water bottle, like they'd replaced <laughs> they'd replaced the they took the T's out and replaced them with apostrophes. <laughs> and it was just yeah. it totally made sense. <laughs> That's like the, that. That is another. That is got to be that same. That same Eddie Izzard thing where he talks about Americans and and British people, <laughs> and he's like he's like uh, he's like and you you spell what was it uh, uh, you uh, you you say herbs and we say herbs because there's a fucking H in it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I stacked a fair few herbs today at work. Um, f- fun fact. Uh, I have a raging backache today. Just, just to a side note, I have a raging backache today because I was at work today and uh, my coworker didn't show up to work. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, no, no sick note, no anything. I can only so, imagine. I can only imagine they slept in till pretty late and then realized they had to kind of stealth mode it for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. So, so once again, for those of you listening, we're in 2020, and Eddie is one of those frontline people. Like he works, he's not, he's not a doctor. He works at a grocery store, which is way worse. Oh, it, it, you know, I, I, the word hero gets thrown around a lot these days. (laughs) I think, I think in this, in these times, I would consider you a hero because that's like the only place that I go is the grocery store. And if those people don't have their shit together, I'm like, come on, man, this is the only place I'm going. Yeah, it, it. It's been a shit show today because throughout the summer, I'm I'm sorry, I know this is a music podcast, but I just <laughs> I just thought I'd ha- I'd get my little COVID rant in here. Um, That's all right. We haven't done that enough. We should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has done a thing they're told until it's made mandatory, um, public wise. I mean, some people are better than others, you know, to to their credit, but um, mm-hmm. it's just really a case now where. Everybody's got a mask on. That obviously helps the spread. Uh, well, helps prevent it. Um, but recently, over the course of the summer, we've made sure that we had extra staff in. There were plenty of people on the department 
But uh, now as, as the summer is drawing to a close, I've got less and less people on my department and I've reached that awful part of the year where I'm literally on my own all day trying oh, to man. get trying to keep up with the people coming through the store and I go on my lunch break knowing I'm going to come down to devastation <laughs> but that is um that is the life of a produce worker with a Sunday shift these days oh man yeah I, I mean I I feel for you but but also I'm proud of you sir <laughs> thank you <laughs> for sticking uh, to it this this is this uh looking forward to this podcast is what got me through this day yeah, that's that, I, I, you know, that, that, that is that is something I look forward to, to having these discussions, because I'm already a a, a, a um, an antisocial person. <laughs> and so, you know, getting to have these discussions, I'm like, oh, this is this is what it's all about. Having these nerdy music discussions that sometimes will veer off into <laughs> other discussions. <laughs> but I, th- um, I think okay. these 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 year episodes they can be a bit more flexible because because they're not we're not having to power through it like a whole band discography. Yeah. Yeah. we I'm not doing my track by tracks and we just take up a lot less time. So I've I've got no problem with a tangent here or there. But ne- uh, ne- neither do I. Yeah. But that being cool. said, we were we've reached number one, right? I believe so. Um, you did your you did your number two, didn't ex- you? Exploited Equal- was my number ex- two. There we go. So. The crown jewel in my unexpected metalhead picks I am, of 1982. I am so I'm so curious. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Toto 4. <laughs> oh my God. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. I actually have on hand the uh, box set I got about, here we go, about six years ago. I heard the song Hold the Line, and I immediately thought, that's a fucking great song. But then I realized I like a lot of Toto's songs, and I have yeah. in my hand the box set here of their first seven albums on CD with a live DVD as well. But nice. I, so be- before we even jump in, for those of you who don't immediately know what's, what's going on here, he <laughs> chose the album that includes the single Africa. And which- Rosanna. And Rosanna, but but currently in this current climate, I think everybody knows Africa. It's had a resurgence. You know, yeah. Weezer covered it, and I, I think it's become a song that more people know now. I think and I think because it ascended to meme status. That it, it it's once a song becomes a meme, it's beloved by all. Like that's, all that's stars, true. Smash Mouth. Like it, it, that got a complete second wind. Like when it came out, it was popular. When it was in Shrek, it became even more popular. When yeah. all the when all the people that grew up watching Shrek started making memes of it being in Shrek, <laughs> it, it it had like a third resurgence. It's just like Bohemian Rhapsody with Wayne's World. My my favorite, which is one that I thought was great back then, and I'm glad it got a resurgence, was Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Oh, that is, for sure. That's a song that I will bang any day of the fucking week. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I just love it. And so once it started coming up, I'm like, yeah, we, you know, Rick roll me every day. <laughs> it's fine with me. But yes, we, Africa's on here. So let's, uh, oh, but yeah. And so wait, wait, wait. So this has Rosanna. I, I believe, I believe it's much like Thriller with, where like seven of the album's tracks, uh, seven mm-hmm. of the album's 10 tracks are um, singles. Yeah, it was a pretty big album. I'll I'll let you tear into this one, sir. 
Cool. So uh, I'll just I'll just get the uh, track list up so I can remind myself how many. Yeah. Oh, five. So half the album is singles. Um, you know, obviously you got Rosanna, Africa, Won't Hold You Back, Waiting for Your Love, Make Believe. You know, they're not metal songs, but they're great songs all yeah. round. And it, it really is just a lesson in how a, just an excellent group of musicians, because they were all session musicians that formed a super group of session players and just oh, had... Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they were all just session players that got together through a mutual friendship. And uh, yeah, that's why they're so fucking good at making great, memorable music. That's interesting. Um, I, I'm looking at the wiki here. This is a fact about them about them that blows my mind. It says the band delayed touring after the release of the album to instead help in the production of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. So Toto put put out this killer like pop album that 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 topped the charts, but also had a hand in another album that completely <laughs> demolished everything in its path. That is insane. Steve Lukather has been the the band's guitarist. He's been on an insane amount of like extremely well-known songs. And wow. Like I think the fact that they're all session players, I mean, you know, Jeff Jeff Picaro is one of my favorite drummers of all time because he just yeah. had such such control and subtlety in his grooves. Um, you know, especially, you know, his shuffle beats like you get on Rosanna for example. Um that essentially taught me how to play ghost notes on drums. And I'm still kind of figuring those out now, you know, being a, being a metal drummer, I suppose in the more modern metal realm, ghost notes are more prominent, but in kind of my style, it's very straight ahead. Um, single stroke, double stroke and paradiddles are pretty much all I need, but I don't know. I don't understand anything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> good old, good old drummer terminology. Um, we make bing bong ting tong sounds. <laughs> we, we, we would, yeah, we would, we would just have words of the sounds. Like when I was in bands and we would be trying to tell a drummer what to do, we'd be like, all right. So the kind of fill we want here is we want you to do a placa plunka right yeah. there. And then <laughs> on this one, can you do a deca da tish? <laughs> one, of, one of my favorites recently was, uh, can you do a. <laughs> I think, I think that was the. Um, little fill in throes of rejection by pantera me and my friend um callum were talking about putting into a song and it's that part where it's like like and and that was the um that was a but i being a drummer it's so funny talking to like the rest of a band because i'm like do you want a flam here? And they're like, is that the one that goes plectity, plectity, plect? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just start doing noises from here on in. You See, know. but it was, it was even harder for me because I'm a guitar player and yeah. I don't even, I don't even know guitar terminology. So I would just be like, look, you put your fingers here and you go jugga jugga and then you do it here too. Because I, I wrote songs and then I didn't know how to explain them. I didn't know how to read music. I still don't. Um, and so yeah. it was always just me going, look, I think it begins on A. I don't know. Quit asking me <laughs> letters. <laughs> but yeah, it just just like the 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 songwriting on this on this album is yeah. phenomenally good. 
And I want to actually um, just say, Toto, while they're not a straight up, like all the time rocking um, kind of band, they've got some killer tunes that, you know, would f- could do with like a glam metal makeover because they are they do have that 80s hard rock edge sometimes and uh i think it's i think it's afraid of love and lovers in the night uh track six and seven put those on and uh you'll get your head bopping there you know i I need to i really need to dive into this whole album because i don't i don't even remember the other singles i think i just know rosanna and africa off of this album (laughs) <laughs> it, it, i'm it's sure almost, i would remember them if i heard them but i it's like yeah. there's only two that come to mind right away i would say this is essentially like the pop rain in blood where it's like both iconic anthems from oh, the yeah. album bookend <laughs> the record and then everything in between is great but it's bookended by two iconic masterpieces which but, is interesting because um, i remember hearing i heard a, a an interview on a local radio station I listened to where they interviewed somebody from the band, but I don't remember who it was, but he was basically saying that Africa was an afterthought and they didn't even want to put it on the album, let alone release it as a single. Which is crazy. Cause like, if you listen to Africa, like, yeah, it's one of those songs that maybe gets overplayed, but it's such a classic song. And even it, it is one of their softer tracks, but God damn, if I don't get vibes the moment I hear those like synth pads at the start, like, yeah. I'm immediately, <laughs> I'm immediately in a good place. And for, for me, this album, it, it hits its kind of rock peak at track six and seven. They both, they both represent like the harder edge of the band. But god damn, they're all excellent players and excellent songs. And I, I think I think the most impressive thing as well is like they've not got just one or just two, but like several singers in the band too. I mean, you've got um, David Page, uh, Bobby Kimball, also J- Joseph. They've had a lot of vocalists, lead vocalists. Um, Steve Lukather sings. Um, there, there's just so many great moments on this on this record, and really, T- Toto's whole discography is something worth exploring. And I can quite safely say that this is not the only Toto album that will appear on a Cranked and Ranked. And I've oh. been wait, I've been waiting for for a while to to drop Toto in, but you know, it, it, they're a tricky one for me because I know there's moments where they do jump into the chug 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 realm. But it's also interspersed with like a disco-y kind of pop song, which, you know, is so... I think it's just the sheer fact that they're all excellent musicians, that they can write stuff that, you know, is complex, but with um, enough of a pop sensibility to it that it is 100% easily accessible. And... I would say Toto and Asia, my two top picks, have quite a lot in common. Um, the only difference being Asia falls more on the prog side ever so slightly than Toto does. But there's some real tricky moments in Toto songs that people don't realize are as hard as they are. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, even down to the, like, hitting all the ghost notes and getting the feel just right on uh, a drum kit. Uh, for those who don't know what a ghost note is, it's essentially a note that's played, but it's more felt than heard. So when you hear, like, those kind of snare drum hits that go like... Like, like all those like little inflections in between really elevate the the feel to where it's got more of a rhythm to it and and it's much more danceable really but it's like a it's like a swing it adds a swing to it a little bit yeah to a, to a sure. beat it's a, yeah it's just a, it's just a softer played note but it's one that that's one of those things as a drummer those those are the things that impress me more about drummers because you have to put those things at the exact right moment yes. for it to give that right groove to the beat. Otherwise, yeah. it can totally throw everything off. And so, yeah, th- those are the things that I, I don't take those things for granted. Like there are there are drummers that do really subtle things that no, I don't think people really notice. A really a really a modern drummer that does that well is Bron Daler from Mastodon. Oh, he does a yeah. he throws in a lot of little things that if you if you're just listening to the song as a whole, you don't really get it, but if you pull out and you look what he's playing, there's a whole lot of little intricate things that are thrown in there that make yeah. the the rhythm of the song what it is. You don't even realize it, but you're like, yeah, if that wasn't there, it wouldn't have the same feel that it does. So it's pretty well, great. Totally agreed. And um yeah, you know, I, I did initially say maybe this Toto album's going to lose me some metal street cred, but, you yeah. know, at the end dude, of the we day... Just, we, dude, yeah. we just did Def Leppard. We, yeah, we, true. <laughs> we, we're, the, the, sure, Def Leppard did some rocking albums, but they did albums <laughs> that are close, closer to Toto and Asia yeah. than, than other things we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, at the end of the day, like when I was a kid... Um, uh, Rosanna was a rock song. Yeah. Like it's like you could say it. Oh yeah, it's poppy, but it all fell under this umbrella of different kinds of rock. Some rock was real soft and and easily accessible, and other stuff was aggressive and 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 you know not mainstream at all. But it, it's all at the end of the day, you know, you could all boil it down to rock and roll in some way or another. Also, I just want to say one last thing: if you've never heard any version of Rosanna that's um like radio edited listen to the album version because it's got a completely out of left field bluesy jazz guitar solo at the end of it that is fucking delicious it is absolutely one of the best guitar moments on the album because i'm just thinking fuck yeah steve you you (laughs) go for it dude and and even what the piano completely changes to it's just so it's very theatrical, and I, and I like that a lot. But yeah, that... Also, apparently, a song about Rosanna Arquette, uh, from what I've heard. Wow. Yeah, that's... I mean, I, I don't know if that was just a, uh, a rumor, but I feel like the band members... One of the band members had, had said that they were involved with Rosanna Arquette, and the song sprang from that. So... Cool. Yeah, that... that, that <laughs> Fun fact. That, that's my uh, number one pick for 1982. Toto four, and I'm gonna bring us full fucking circle all the way back (laughs) around to the beginning of the episode, and I'm gonna talk about my number one album, which is "The Number of the Beast" by Iron Maiden. Yeah, 
right. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, yes. I had to do the. I had to do the scream. <laughs> six hundred and sixty-six. Well, that sounded pretty good. Yeah, that's fucking the the number of the beast. It is a human number. I sound I sound kind of like Doctor Evil. Its number is one billion dollars. Um, so yeah, we, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. I can't add a lot more cause I think I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I interjected a lot when Eddie was talking about it, but, um, number of the beast is just a full on classic album with nothing but incredible songs. And, yeah. and like we mentioned earlier, you know that you have a badass album on your hands when all of the most well-known classic songs are on the B side of your album. Like that's, that's something to be said. Cause you, cause they had to have known that those songs were strong and they were just like, yeah, first half, first half's good on its own. Let's throw those at the end. And, um, every, yeah, literally every song I, I, I just, just, it's one of those things we talked about. You look at a song title and you immediately start singing in your head, children of the day. Like it's, you yeah. know, it's, it, it comes out immediately. Um, there's not a lot more I can say about this. I feel like this is an album that's been talked to death because um, it's, it's one of those things where it's classic because it's so fucking good. And it was, um, I mean, I, I know that they, I guess they broke through in the U S a lot more with power slave, but um this is really like the fact that they did two what I consider completely badass albums in a row with Paul Diano and then yeah. got a different singer and did an album that is arguably much better than what they had already done and also just just the you hear what they they're they're a band that that when people nerd out over Iron Maiden, I absolutely understand it. It's it's warranted because the things, yeah. the the power of the songs, the guitar riffs, what they were doing on the guitars. Um, but then on top of that, um, just uh, I, 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 the fucking vocals on this album. You, you the, it's one of those things where you people can talk a lot. I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like I'm just going to start <laughs> saying things that people have already said before. Bruce Dickinson's an amazing vocalist, but it's you. You listen to what he did, and I don't know how old he was when he did this album. He had. To, he was in his 20s for sure, maybe even early 20s. I don't know, but the power of his voice and just he brought such a level of urgency while at the same time having this really. I don't is, is operatic. It might be the wrong term. It wasn't like operatic. I'd, I'd but say it's, I'd say I'd say it's within that ballpark. It's very yeah. theatrical. Just the fact that he, because like like we said before, like I'm not a, a power metal fan, and for the most part, I don't like singers that are all <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but Bruce Dickinson figured out he fits right in that sweet spot where he yeah. is an amazing singer and can carry a tune but also has an aggressiveness and power to his voice that is undeniable. Like, yeah. we'll, like we could talk about Judas Priest. Everyone loves, you know, Rob Halford, but 
I consider Bruce Dickinson a much better vocalist because of the the I don't know what it is. There's a raw rawness to his vocals, whereas Rob Halford to me seems way more like he's a he's a veteran. He, like he's <laughs> he, he, he he's he has full command of his instruments, so there's no rough edges. I think with Bruce Dickinson, there's a a human quality to the otherworldliness of his vocals that just makes it seem that much more metal and he fits right in with the music they were making. And I love it. I love number of the beast. It's, it's a, it's a banger of an album and the best of 1982. And and, in my opinion, this was the only one where I knew it was going to be number one. When I started this, I'm like, well, there's no (laughs) way, there's no way any other album is going to be number one. And then I just built from there. So that's my number one, bringing us full circle. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, we've we've pretty much. What I was gonna say is, I kind of make the comparison between. I mean, it's virtually exactly the same story. Um, Paul Diano being replaced with um, Bruce Dickinson is exactly like what happened with Chuck Mosley and Mike Patton in Faith No More. They did the first two albums with the original singer and he did a great job at what he did but when they got you know obviously Paul Diano um but when they got Bruce Dickinson in his ra- the range of what they could do vocally went from here yeah to to fucking outer space comparatively yeah they were yeah, but yeah, Paul Paul Diano would have been very out of place on this album and especially on the albums that would follow, yeah. which which I which I think is why um down the down the road uh with Blaze Bailey, that's why Blaze Bailey had, had struggled so much with Maiden because Blaze Bailey was closer to a Paul Diano, a much better vocalist than Paul Diano, but he would have been more at home on that early punky kind of side yeah. of of Iron Maiden. You start you start really expanding your sound and making these big, um, grand compositions and stuff. You, you need a vocalist that can carry that, and they fucking found him for sure. Oh, and, definitely. Um, he's a, a vocalist that still sounds amazing today, and he's like what sixty years old or something like that. I mean, he's yeah. They, they, they he's they're 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 an amazing band. So I will um, I will say to this day, one of the most badass things I have ever seen is um iron maiden coming on stage i think it's at download festival i think uh and they come on stage and they get a fly pass from two spitfire fighter planes from world war ii and they fly over the state have you never seen this no i haven't oh it's fucking cool they get two fighter planes from world war ii spitfires and they do kind of like a aerobatics thing and then fly over the stage and then the band immediately comes on with aces high <laughs> holy shit that's it's that's one of, one of those things where like don't don't bother going to any more concerts after that <laughs> yeah like, uh, hang on i'll have to i'll have to look it up uh okay what is it uh iron maiden spitfire flyover download 2013 iron maiden okay. Spitfire flyover. I'll, I'll even. I'll, I'll look it up. It's so cool. I'll have. I'll have to save the link. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. Everybody else, go look it up. We'll wait, wait till we're wait till we're done because we're not done yet. We 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 now have to go through some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the cut. Yes, um, we do. To be completely honest, I only really have two that oh. that I struggled with. Like like other albums came out in '82 that I think are you know pretty good, um, but there was only two that like I'm like. I initially thought maybe would be in the top five, but didn't make it. Um, why, why don't you start this off? Uh, okay, so in my honorable mentions, I've got uh, Anvil, Metal on Metal, mm-hmm. uh, Scorpions, Blackout. Oh, yeah, that, that had a lot of hits on it. Van Halen, Diver Down. So that was, um, one, that was one that I went back and listened to because in my... I, I, I know those early Van Halen albums pretty well, but that's the one that right off the top of my head, if you said, what's, what's your least favorite Van Halen with, with Roth, I'd be like diver down easily. Yeah. So I went back to listen to it again and I'm like, yeah, it's still got a lot of weaker songs, two cover songs on it. Three, three cover songs on it. (laughs) And it just seems like they, they, didn't have all of their shit together, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's Van Halen, which is way better than most bands anyway, but just as their album, it's pretty, I think it's pretty weak. That's the thing. If you, if you put on a, 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 a Roth era Van Halen album, you're not going to not have a good time, but yeah. you'll probably have a better time with other earlier albums or maybe even um, 1984, which came after it. But you know, I it, I would agree. Diver Down is weaker than than a lot of their other albums, especially down to the fact that like a good portion of it isn't original material. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and then I've got Saints and Sinners by White Snake. Mm-hmm. Okay, I saw so I saw that, and I was like, I bet Will's going to talk about this one. <laughs> yeah, I I had to include it as, as well, and on on not so much covers, but it this album contains quite a few that would get a bit of a revamp when he when david coverdale decided hey we're going to be a uh, glam metal band now and um i think crying in the rain is on it here i go again the original version is definitely on it uh, yeah. the more bluesy one with the uh, organ um i had to put this on here because i heard one song off it and I did a skip through, kind of skim listen through the album. I didn't really have time to give it a proper go, but I already know I'm going to love it from the production and the songwriting on it. Uh, Tigers of Pantang, The Cage. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I heard it and I thought, this is exactly up my street. A classic Nawabum band. Oh, oh, for sure. But that, that, was the, that was the album where they decided, hey, let's do... Um, let's go full on 80s um sing along stuff so it was <laughs> and uh, finally i've got uh, judas priest with screaming for vengeance yeah which i which i went through and i listened to this album and i um i admittedly am not a big judas priest fan and i don't know a lot of their stuff very well um yeah. and i went through and listened to this album and i and i i realized that the songs that i enjoyed the most were the mid-tempo rockers. The ones yeah. that you could call more metal songs are great, but I found myself really digging in when they get the groove, their groove going. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is good. They, you know, so 
Um, and that's an, something interesting to, to, to talk about, if we ever jump on to Judas Priest, is talking about how they're they're a band that I don't think gets enough recognition for the variety of songs. Because everyone's just like, oh, they're metal. And I'm like, well, I don't know. That's a loose term. You're using Saying yeah. Judas Priest as metal is, is a very loose term because there is good time four on the floor rock tunes on every album they put out, except for maybe some you know later albums where they became more metal minded. But um I I That's love like, those uh, just straightforward rockers. It's kinda of like saying, what's your favorite like uh candy or sweet flavor? And you go, Skittles flavor. Because there's shitloads of different Skittles. So like <laughs> the Skittles analogy, people, we got more and more food analogies every, every haven't, week. Haven't they, they, haven't they figured out that it's all the same flavor and we, our brains are just tricked because they're colored differently. My God, my life has been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I'm just spreading conspiracy theories at this point. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's there's stranger ones there's stranger conspiracies that make more or less sense <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah screaming for vengeance is, is a really good album um it didn't make my list you, you've you've mentioned a That's couple that i think are great like for, for are, me, you, are you done with your are you done with uh, your list i was just gonna say about screaming for vengeance um some of the songs on it are classic judas priest and the other half is kind of like, yeah, okay. But outside of the album as a whole, I wouldn't choose to listen to the ones that don't grip me. And that that's yeah. kind of my that's kind of my screaming for vengeance uh thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I only have a couple. You you mentioned a couple of the ones that were kind of on my radar, but um the two big ones for me, um uh Misfits Walk Among Us oh, came shit. out in 1982. Yeah. And um that is a really great album. It's it's another punk album from that era that is just banger after banger. Um, but um, to be honest, it it I don't the the Misfits overall for me hasn't aged that well. Like mm, I, it's yeah. it's easy to point out that you know simple things like the if you if you take the 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 core, the sing along choruses and the, 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 basically the lyrics and melodies that Glenn Danzig brought to those songs. If you take those out, the songs are just kind of whatever songs, like there aren't yeah. riffs or things that stand out like, Oh, this was a killer riff. No, it's you, you, you come into it because of the anthemic quality brought on by Glenn Danzig. Yeah. So once you start tearing that album apart from that aspect of it, it's just like, Oh yeah, it's, it's uh it's it's great but not top 5 quality in my opinion and then my uh, my other one is uh the album long after dark by tom petty and the heartbreakers um cool. i i love tom petty he's one of my favorite musicians of of any time no matter what but um long after dark even though it was my introduction to tom petty the first tom petty song i ever heard was you got lucky off of this album um, and that's a really great song, but the whole album is not that strong. There's yeah. a there's an there's an eighties period uh of Tom Petty where he he made great music. If if you love Tom Petty, the music is great, but comparatively speaking, these are albums that would be lower on my list if we did a ranking of Tom Petty, because 
um, there's a lot of sort of less inspired songs. Um, but it's still Tom Petty at the end of the day. But those are really the only two that I really felt like I needed to to call out. I mean, obviously, you also have Iron Fist by Motorhead came out. Yeah. Um, but honestly, that just sounds like the last few Motorhead albums before it. So it's <laughs> like it's nothing new at all. Yeah. And so it's it's it, it's one of those things, once again, where if you're a Motorhead fan, of course you love Iron Fist. But there's not a lot to say about it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd say the same. So, yeah, so there we go. That is um, wrapping up 1982. Um, this, was, this was interesting. I really, I love coming to these years and finding out what our wild cards are, you know, because yeah. I feel like each of us always brings something that's, because obviously everyone knew we were going to talk about Number of the Beast. Like that's yep. kind of a given. Um, but talk, talking about Toto was, uh, something that I wasn't entirely expecting and I, and it makes me kind of want to go and check out not only that album, but, um, other shit that Toto did. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And that, that, that's why we do it folks. I'd say, um, if you want like hard hitting heavy Toto, check out the album, um, Kingdom of Desire from 1992. Oh, and okay. They kind of stripped back a little bit and decided, hey, um, we have no other vocalists apart from Steve Lukather. He is the sole vocalist on that album. But you can tell it's led by the guitar work because there's riffs and there's heavy riffs and there's even... Uh, I won't spoil the listening experience for you, but uh, halfway through the title track of that album, Kingdom of Desire, you're you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna like take your hair down and <laughs> wave, wave that shit around because goddamn, like there are some headbanger moments. Nice on that one. Who who would have thought from Toto? Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. And, that, like, you know, and that's my own ignorance because I just knew them from Africa and Rosanna, and that's really it. I'd love to do Toto at some point. Like they would be a they'd be a cool thing to to cover cover. Yeah, I just uh, you know if we if we keep this thing going for a long period of time, we're going to reach those bands for sure. Oh, where it's oh yeah, just like fuck it, let's do Toto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's that's it. That is our our top five favorite albums of 1982. Um. Thank you for listening. Um. Uh, you can put some comments down below about your favorites of 82 if you're listening to this on YouTube. Um, and if you are a person that enjoys listening on the go as a podcast, this is actually a podcast. You can go find it on your Spotify's and your Apple podcasts and Stitcher, whatever it is. You pod, pod something. There's, there's, other, there's a lot of those out there, but you can find this yeah. there. And um, yeah. So thanks very much for listening. This this is one of our shorter ones, obviously, but that seems like how these kind of come together. We always end yeah, up, that, you know, the years end up being about, yeah, about an hour 45. I mean, I guess they would be considered long to some people, but um, <laughs> we, we can go longer, folks, as you may have heard. So, um, and we may end up going longer soon. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what, where we go from here. But um, yeah, that's that's all I got for, for 1982. Any closing remarks? Um, phew, uh, I suppose I guess what I would say is, with these year episodes, it 
always it always gives us a minute to bring like bands kind of outside of what you would expect us to to you know know and listen to and you know obviously Toto 4 is not a metal album and I know this is a this is a metal channel and we're we're known for loving that kind of music but we like a lot of music we're music fans we're not just metal fans yeah Even, despite the fact that it is it's our favorite it's not the only thing we, we listen to and that's a good thing to be because it's rewarding and it allows you to enjoy more music you know who wouldn't want that so yeah plus, yeah. plus i do i think that the, it it will sometimes shine a light on the aspects of the metal that you enjoy like why you enjoy them you hear other music and it really sort of highlights oh well there's this and then there's this you know the thing it's i don't know there's it, it's it's you, i feel like you can't really appreciate um music in a thoughtful way until you're ready to open yourself up to whatever you know yeah. i mean I, everyone's entitled to their opinions and and i think going with how you feel is the way to do it at the end of the day because Forcing yourself to like something is just what, that's bullshit. And that's being a poser, as as some (laughs) people would say. But um, the stuff that naturally comes to you that some people would consider guilty pleasures, but just sometimes things will come your way that you feel like, oh, I like this. Just let that in. And that ends up sort of giving you a different perspective on the heavy music that you're into. Because yeah, at the, uh, when you if somebody said you know musically what would you consider yourself? I'd say well I'm a metalhead without even blinking an eye. But um, yeah, I also love old school hip hop a lot. Like that that will depending on what years we get to, old school hip hop albums will start showing up in our year yeah. um, um, rankings. But um, but yeah. I don't know. That's preach. It's preaching here. I, I feel like people that are listening to this, especially if you've lasted this long, I feel like you're probably all very mature music uh, listeners, and you you know what we're talking about. For sure. Um, yeah. So uh, we've pretty much <laughs> we've pretty much done it. We we did it. 1982. We we, 1982. we were scared of this one. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe we could maybe we could get some feedback from the YouTube people on what another great year would be for us to yeah. tackle next time we do a year. So if you have any ideas, throw them down below. Um, and once again, thanks for listening. Um, anything else from you, Eddie? Maybe even a year that isn't really known for, for giving us, for giving us many well-known iconic albums. So really putting us to the test on that one. Let's, let's find a year that's like explicitly regarded as like a strange one. So cool. 1929 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just ranking all of the fucking Fordville stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, that the, on that note, let's, let's get the fuck out of here. Thank you very much for listening to cranked and ranked. We'll be back soon with another episode and Mr. Eddie Sparks, take us out later, dude.